What's up, people? This episode is brought to you by Beach Volleyball National Events. BVNE, Beach Volleyball National Events, is one of the greatest showcases in the United States of America for juniors. You want your kid to get noticed? We have as many as 20 to 25 to 30 recruiters coming out for each showcase for beach volleyball. Since it's become an NCAA sport, the club sizes have tripled. I got mine. Come get yours. BVNE, Beach Volleyball National Events. Let's play together. Also brought to you by NY Varsity Sports. That's me. That's me, the NYV. Watching me. Watching you. Rob McLean. This is episode 25. This episode starts right now. They might say it louder, and it might make you holler. Don't you know that white man can't jump <laughs> to the beat, y'all? <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, that's a fail for the 25th episode. Hey, what's up, people? We made it along with Rob. Keep it McLean, McLean. I am Jason DeBiz. This is Sports Debate Tuesday, episode 25. Got a lot to cover, and specifically the UFC. Big event, big pay-per-view event. And once again, they delivered. It wasn't just top main event heavy. In fact, I, we both probably agree the main event wasn't even the most exciting match. Uh, but first, let's get to the NBA. As these guys are preparing to play in the bubble. In fact, a lot of people have already re uh, reported. A lot of already, uh, people have already trained or or our training, a lot, uh, the NBA has allowed players to use statements for their instead of their jersey names. Like, for example, one of the players has enough. I, I can give you a list of the players later. Um, someone has, I, I can't breathe. Someone, maybe someone has Black Lives Matter. Uh, but conspicuous by um, uh, symbolism absence in this case is LeBron James. LeBron James has elected to just have his name, James, on that. So do you think... Uh, what does that say in the big scheme of things about what the NBA players are doing and what LeBron's are doing, Rob? Um, well, just just to disclaim, I think Adam Silver is you know one of the best commissioners in all of the sports. I think he's done a you know, he always tries to do a great job. Um, but that includes Dan forward. You know, putting that forward, he's still the culmination of the owners in the league. You know, he's still the voice of a whole nother side of the league that most of us, especially as fans, don't really understand, don't really view most of the time. So I think he does the best with what he can. But going forward, um, I agree with LeBron. I was actually thinking about this uh, before I heard about this story, that uh, like if you put yourself in his shoes, you know, someone who built up his brand for so much time, um, just, to, just to put a, a message over that, that covers one singular issue. I think is the is the real problem. That there there are uh, multiple issues that, uh, and you don't want to exclude anybody in their in their issue and their problems by, you know, uh, by shining your own uh, problem in the in the spotlight. So, it's more that if you really want to know, if you really want to understand, uh, or if you really want to uh, hear what he has to say, listen to what he says. You know, and don't tell him to shut up and dribble. You know, if you want to. Uh, if you don't want him to do that, then understand that he's also a person. He's, you know, uh, he has rights that he can speak up and talk just like anybody else. So I think his issue is more that um, listen to what that what he's saying. You know, listen to his words as opposed to uh, him having to make another sign and another symbol to tell you what's wrong and tell you what the issue is. 
You know, I think we all know what the issue is. Charles Barkley was saying it too. Ooh. That we don't we don't need, you know, quotes and and, and 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 t-shirts saying what we need to have change. We need change. You know, it's just plain and simple. You know. Uh so I have to agree with, with what he's saying. I, I also have to say I think it's an amazing step forward though, because the players that don't have the chance to have their name noticed in the in the entirety that LeBron or some of the top players might have in the game that they are able to uh, not just have their name and their team on the front of their shirt. They can have a, a you know, a quote. They can have something that inspires them or shows people who they are deeper than just their name. So, I think there's both sides to it. But uh, I don't think that LeBron should be forced to or should have any backlash if he doesn't want to put a message on his jersey. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, let me put it up before I say what I got to say, because I really love what you said. And you covered so many layers, uh, layers which I'd like to discuss further in uh, in regards to the other players that, that are doing it, um, where LeBron seems like his own separate category. Does that sound sound fair? Sound good? Yeah, absolutely. All right, um, here's where you put up. Let me do this. Um, everything that I do has a purpose, has a meaning. I don't need to have something on my, the back of my jersey for people to understand my mission or know what I'm about and what I'm here to do. And you know what? I probably don't even need to say anything more than that because um, we talked off the air a, bit, a little bit about this. And I can say I can sum up this whole little long diatribe or soliloquy into one sentence and save everybody the time. His name, James, on the back of his jersey is his symbolism. <laughs> Everything that man has done since his mid to late teens all the way to the present day. This man's philanthropy is off the chain. You got kids going to college for free. Free. They're going to college for free, Rob. Okay. Uh, because of LeBron James. This man is feeding the hungry. This man is a social justice warrior. This man, when uh, it was time to wear the, the, a sign that says, I can't breathe, he was there. When it was when it was time to wear black when everybody was suiting up, he was there. When it was time to wear a, a hood uh, uh, to, as, uh, to warm up, he was there. So he's done enough symbolism to last two lifetimes. All of that has been a culmination to what he's become, and that man is LeBron James. Uh, don't have a lot of heroes in life. I got Jesus, all right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This, <laughs> can't, get a, can't be a bigger hero than that, but LeBron, in so many ways, the guy my hero the guy is the american dream the, the man is the american dream high school player married his high school sweetheart no scandals no controversy didn't go to the ncaa because he didn't didn't want to give the ncaa his money um only keeps keeps a circular keeps a circulation of friends high but his tight circle of friends very very low if you ain't producing you ain't got a purpose you're not part of that crew and this is just I don't even know why this is the story. This this is just normal LeBron James. <laughs> the man is the GOAT in the NBA as far as what he's doing off the court and on the court. Again, on the court, hate to cheapen the, the, the whole thing by mentioning Jordan. Well, I mean, we all agree Jordan's a GOAT, and, and that's but to me, that's where the buck stops. You, you watch this documentary, and you watch how he motivates people. I'm, I'm looking at uh, LeBron James's documentary, um, which is his life right now as we speak, and how he lifts up people around him. More than, way, more than one way to skin a cat, which is what I wanted to get at um, before. I don't think we... Okay, before I say anything, I got a question for you, and you could steal, mm. and you could take it and steal it from me. Do we both agree... Symbolism is important, but activism is even more important. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think they're both really important. I think they both hold weight. Um, I believe you lose the the you don't have any standing if you don't have a symbol if you don't have symbolism, right? But if you use symbolism the wrong way, it could just be a cheap way, a cheap excuse, you know. So uh, I think symbolism is really important when it's used the right way as a tool to to move forward, to um, <clears throat> strengthen an issue or a cause that has had a, a, a passion behind it at one time. Uh, and that could be for a bad cause or a good cause. And, you know, I think it's just up to us people to decide whether this cause is just or this cause is not. But there, you know, that's that's all over the place. No know? doubt. No doubt. Look, look, for me, symbolism is important because it gets people's attention. I mean, a lot of people are humbling in their activism. I mean, you know, I, I know a bunch of elite athletes that are not that contribute to foundations that don't want to take the picture with the big check next to them and next to some wealthy dude who helped put it all together. I, um, so I think it's important and I think people need to be very careful about um, vilifying people who choose to have symbolism and, or people who are into symbolism. Um, very, be very careful of vilifying people that just want their name on their jersey, all right? You ever saw the movie Get on the Bus? Spike mm -hmm. Lee movie about the Million Man March? It's like this journey. It's called Get on the Bus. A whole bunch of people decide to take this bus ride from L.A. to D.C. and just start picking up people on the way. And we're going to Million Man March. Anyone want to come? Come, cool, cool, get on, get on. Pretty cool movie, all right? Um, you can go to the Million Man March on a plane. You can go to the Million Man March on a bus. You can go to the Million Man March on a cab, in a cab. You can go to the Million Man March uh, riding a, a tricycle <laughs> oh, or, or a unicycle, okay, with a lion on the back of your shoulders. That's not the common denominator. The common denominator is you're going to the Million Man March, all right? And that's, that is the comparative that I'm trying to make here that I, that I think, I hope I'm doing well. Um, doesn't matter if you're doing it via symbolism. Doesn't matter if you're doing it via activism. You're doing it. And I think uh, um, this whole division of uh, this person doing it this way, oh, if you do it that way, you're a sellout. Oh, oh, you ain't keeping it real. You ain't a real brother. Man, get the hell out. Go kick rocks with that nonsense. You got people out there that, that are doing it the best way they know how. And if they don't know how, how about we have a conversation? How about we just, everybody just listen to each other, you know? Because that's what they want white people to do, right? They want white people to listen more. If, and, and how about everybody just listen to each other? How about allow people to think out loud? How about allow people to, um, to say something where, because they're thinking out loud and they're trying to piece stuff together, they say, they say something in error. As I said before, not, not because of what's um, in their heart, but what's missing in their head. <laughs> we, people got to know the difference. So... Um, yeah, I, th go ahead, I, think, I think the hard thing is that uh, people have to understand, like people... You know, through history, all we've understood, or all the people that have been oppressed have understood, is that it's going to take time and there's going to be a lot of pain and struggle. And when there is other options out there, like education trumps everything. You know, mm. so when you when you're able to, you know, hold something that's that's valued across all 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 cultures. You know, that could be able to, the, the ability to communicate and articulate um, a conversation. Um, and just that ability to, uh, to, 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 to converse to the, the, the whole other race, uh, to a whole other race, to a whole other culture, you know, you're, 
you have to step outside of what you know. And all people know in history about being oppressed is that to get out of that oppression is a lot of pain and a lot of time. Um, but to sidestep that without having to go through that time and that pain, you can educate and get around and sidestep. Because I think a lot of this hatred and a lot of this pain that's coming in in the oppressed community is not understanding where to put that energy, you know, as opposed to being able to, like, if we want to, if we have all this movement and all this power and all this push, every single person that we don't want in office should be elected out of office. But I don't think people really understand how powerful the election is or how powerful it could be. Or how powerful if, their vote. Or how powerful the democracy, a democracy could be if it's used the right way, as opposed to everybody saying, oh, well, communism wasn't used the right way. Oh, well, democracy is not getting used the right way. Well, why don't we use our you know, our passion to change, to change the system that we're in, you know, and that's where I have to, you know, there's always weaknesses in all sides, you know, um, and so I'm just talking, you know, from within, because I'm on the side of, you know, people being equal, you know, that's all it comes down to, and so, like you were saying before, to have that conversation about where they're coming from, are you coming from a place of progress, or are you poking at the problem, mm. right? Are you are you really are, so this is your this is your issue right here. OK, so what is your solution? You know, if you don't have a solution, then engage the conversation in a way that you're trying to progress towards an answer as opposed to, like I always say, you know, poking at the bear, poking at the problem. You know, it's only going to bite you back, but you're never going to solve anything. You know, so you got to figure out a better way to get past that bear to, to get past that instead of just poking it, waking it up, and hoping it goes away. You know, it's just not a sensible, logical way of doing things. No doubt. Yeah, putting up some of the, um, some of the uh, Jersey um, name things. Uh, Greek Freak has equality. His brother has equality. Rudy Gobert, equality. Notice a lot of the European people were about that. Just, we're all created equal. All men are created equal type things. Uh, Greg Faulkner on my podcast last week. Had the mm-hmm. same, uh, shared the same sentiment. Um, big up to the ma- that man coming on the Option podcast. Um, how many more? Lakers guard Danny Green, C.J. McCollum, education reform, education reform. Wow, pretty big one, huh? Vote mm-hmm. equality. Pretty cool stuff, man. It's just you know a lot of information coming out, so uh, you know we got to keep learning. You know we got to keep understanding and keep applying. You know. That's <laughs> why so I just I look at all this information that comes out, and I think, you know, how can it be applied to the current situation, you know, or is it just, you know, random pandering about uh, what could be, or a lot of what ifs. Oh man, what ifs. <laughs> so glad I'm turning fifty this month, and I have a very few what ifs in my life, man, and I wish everybody that same kind of happiness, you know. True. Swear to goodness. Um, all right, hey, well, good job covering that. Let's, um, I like what we did. I like what we did there, and I, and I think we left off on, on where we both stand on that. And I hope um, anybody that wants to comment, anyone has a different sentiment or the same, more, be more than, you're more than welcome to comment on um, the iTunes, Spotify, my Facebook. It's going to be under the NY Varsity Sports handle on YouTube and on my Facebook page. Look it up, NY Varsity Sports. Um, so now we move on to mixed martial arts, specifically the UFC, UFC 251, another good event. Um, um, sounded repetitive, but they we asked and they delivered again. 
Uh, undercards, a bunch of relative unknowns represented. I thought a guy got kicked in the balls a lot of times, um, which we, we, we're not going to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about uh, on the podcast so we can we can maybe humorize that, even though there's not a damn thing funny about that. No. Let's um, actually let's let's do the main event. We got um, Jorge Masvidal on six or six or seven days notice and had to shed 21 pounds, cut weight, which it didn't look like. He didn't look taxed on the scale on the way ends and he didn't look taxed going in the cage. He had a pretty good gas tank. Both fighters had a good gas tank in light of the fact they went to five rounds and you didn't really see anybody, you know, you know, doing any of that nonsense. So And they were um, both fighting, you know, yeah. both consistent, you know, yeah. fighting and Yeah. But twenty one pounds, man, I don't care how good your gas tank is. And I've always known, you know, Jorge's always had a great gas tank, but twenty one yeah. pounds, man. And Jorge doesn't that was not that's not his style. He likes there's, all right, there's people like GSP early. that they cut the weight during training, and there's some people they get to a, a weight like eight pounds, you know, whatever. And I think Jorge's that one in the, you know, that one in the middle. You know, yeah, you know what? Little, I think. Well, again, I think he could he because of that, you know, because he's cut the right way, because he stayed in his weight class and he's kind of staying around his his, you know, size. Um, I think that. It's kind of, it's just, I don't know how he got 21 pounds over what he's yeah. usually fighting in. You know, that's just, that's crazy. It's a strange I mean, I number. Know, yeah, you know, a lot of people, you know, go that big over, but. Well, it's oof, a strange number that, because um, in many states, 22 pounds is a legal limit. Hmm. You, you so can't. Maybe, you, they, maybe it was even more and it was fudged in a sense. Maybe, yeah. I mean, but, come um, on. It's not enough past the UFC to, to have GSP not make weight and have him come, you know, have it say 170. Or Daniel Cormier hold hold the towel. Remember when he had to uh, make oh, a weigh-ins? I'm like, can't you see this man is holding the towel so he can make the way? Legitimately, <laughs> and then celebrating after, like, come on, like, what the hell is yeah. That? <laughs> Ain't nobody right. celebrated to get off the freaking scale. <laughs> All right, Rob. The question is, and I think I'll go first on this one. Mm -hmm. Um, and you could back clean up. Usman versus Masvidal was was the fight, uh, what everybody expected. Um, and my answer is yes, it is. Um, uh, as we said on this show numerous times, uh, styles make matchups. And if you have a fighter that's very good at striking, that has very slick submissions that goes against a wrestler, you're going to find that fighter. If that fighter loses, you're going to find, find out because he got pressed against the cage. You're going to find out that he got taken down uh, but was able to get back up. And... And you'll find out that at no time did he hit someone hard enough to put him in danger. And that is what this fight was. That is how um, predictive validity told us. Um, we're, we're, look, we're, we're MMA enthusiasts, okay? I, I would, in fact, even call us purists. But I don't think you, you, even a casual fan knows that this, you've seen Kamaru fight. He's a constant pressure guy. He's in your face. He'll give you noogies and then occasional, occasionally load up and punch you hard. You know, and by the time the second round comes, you're like, I don't even want to go back out there. You know, and then you got Jorge Masvidal, who's got that gas tank that could go all five rounds and, and is very, very difficult to finish. I don't think he's been finished in 10 years. Uh, um, so, yeah, that's the recipe. You got, you got someone that's going to dominate someone uh, five rounds to zero, which I thought, one of the judges got it right. I thought Masvidal won that first round, and I thought um, um, I thought Kamaro Usman, the defend, the reigning defending champion, um, won the last four. Um, so thoughts? Was this fight was what what um, you expected? Um, 
so uh, I got kind of two answers from it. Uh, of course, I can't really pick one, but uh, in totality, no. Because when I when I saw it and now I hear 21 pounds, I mean, I heard it was a big weight drop. But I thought it was more like 14. I didn't know it was actually 21. Um, you know that you're just not going to – I mean, even if you get 95% Jorge Masvidal, you're not going to get 100% Jorge Masvidal. And that's what he needs to win that fight. Just because when you look at the size difference between them when they go in there, I mean – Maybe it's because Jorge didn't have enough time to gain that 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 you know that size back after that big of a drop, because um, I know most people may know, but after you drop, you know you kind of gain back some weight with a, a lot of water weight after you've just dropped all that weight and you've just made the weight uh, officially. Um, but it seemed like he was a small guy in there compared to Usman. I mean, he he held up well. You know, I thought he was really strong in the clinch. He was really strong on the ground. Uh, he wasn't overpowered on the ground necessarily, uh, but um, just he was just smaller than Usman. Um, past that, though, a little worried that I saw maybe an old Jorge uh, come out uh, a little bit more tentative in his striking um, and a little bit more, um, you know, hesitant to uh, exchange, especially in the clinch when, uh, or the, when, when they break clinch. Um, he usually tries to control that and tries to break off. So maybe he doesn't really have the physical strength to match up with Usman like that. Um, but I think the, the bigger thing here is, uh, you know, I think it's just the age of the wrestler. You know, I think it's everybody's become so, so good that it's kind of gone back to the original, uh, the original who, who's the best type of type of fighter. And you mix the base of wrestling in, with just a little bit of confidence in stand-up, and it's just a really tough conf- combination to break. So uh, I, I don't think that... I think this could be a great three-trilogy-type three fight, a three-trilogy-type uh, you know, fight. Um, I just... <clears throat> I had a definite feeling that Jorge coming in, you know, hasn't fought too much recently. Uh, no one's really fought too much recently. That's what I was saying before. Kamar Usman's offense is just very simple. Uh, it's not very complex. I think Jorge is a guy who, you know, especially in the last four fights where, you know, he's been on fire where, he, you know, he has that touch, he has that feeling, he's he has that range. I was definitely seeing he did not really feel the range with Usman at all. And that's with a wrestler, you need to know range. You need to understand how to faint them, how to keep them at bay so they can't just, you know, level, level switch at, at, at bay. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, it wasn't everything I expected. Absolutely not. But uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised because you know, looking at it, I, I was like, "Oh man, Usman's either gonna get, you know, he's gonna get a knockout or he's just gonna maul him." And I was actually surprised at how uh, minimal uh, Jorge was damaged, at how minimal. Masvidal. Uh, yeah, yeah. How Jorge Masvidal was damaged. How like. Uh, he wasn't, like you were saying, he didn't really have a stabbed gas tank at the end. So I was really impressed, and I think he could definitely fight a 10 times better fight next time. And I don't really know if Usman's bringing more than he, he, he's given. So um, I think it's just at this day and age in the UFC, you know, Khabib, uh, all the guys coming out of uh, um, uh, Dagestan, all these yeah. wrestling-based type, type fighters. Um, and now you have uh, an Usman. Um, 
it's just I think it's a you know that new that new style again coming back where a wrestler is just dominating because a lot of people can't take their 10 15 years of practice before UFC even becomes a part of their mind where you know they have that mindset they have the weight cut they have uh, the discipline they have uh, such a good base so I think he'll be a really tough champion to beat Um, I would love to see you know somebody coming out of the camp of uh, Israel Adesanya coming out of that weight class and 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 challenge you know know, just well you know somebody in that you know from that from that because I mean Volkanovski is an older fighter even and and uh, Izzy is, is a little bit of an older fighter. Dan Hooker is a little bit, you know, on the older side of young. Um, so is Masvidal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I would love to see maybe some 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 new age guy coming out of that camp in, in uh, New Zealand, Australia area, and uh, maybe challenging Usman on the feet because I, I don't know. I mean, I like for me, you know, the Khabib fights, the the Usman fights. Uh, they're not as exciting to watch, but man, they just get mauled. And then even when Kobe Covington, you know, takes people down and, and, and deals with people on the ground, like it just seems like wrestlers are on such a different level. I mean, jujitsu artists, I get they can, you know, submit you, but a lot of people are, are at least understand that they're they're in danger of getting submitted. But when it comes to wrestling, like you know, it's coming and you can't stop it. You just can't stop it. Yeah, man. And didn't we see a prequel, like, in the beginning of the UFC, how great, like, you look at the Godfather, Ground and Pound, you look at Mark Coleman, um, then you look at the generation with Matt Hughes. Um, I'll even go, um, you know, uh, lower level, like Josh Koscheck and guys like that, Diego Sanchez, before he's decided to stand and bang very big... um, you know, uh, um, one of those wrestler guys take down. You know, put put his put his, his the top of his head in your chin and just grind and mm-hmm. and whatever. And to a lot of people don't consider that exciting. I can can I like those kind of fights. I, what I don't like is someone pressing against the cage, and they're just biting their time. What I don't like is someone taking someone down and they're laying and praying. Okay, now that that's a turn off for fans who don't have an interest in that style of fighting to begin with. You know, but if you have someone, you know, on top looking to pass, I could see that. You're looking someone on someone on their back, they're not just holding on to the guy until the ref stands him up. Because depending on the ref, some refs just, you know, you go the whole five minutes that way, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's why, why do you think GSP got so much latitude on top? But he got so much latitude from the refs because the dude was always busy. The dude was always trying to look for a submission or, or, or trying to cut you up. You know, everybody's like, I know if anyone that says, oh, GSP, oh, he just laid on that guy for five rounds. And I'm like, look at that dude's face. How, did this, right. like, what, how, do you, how do you think his face got like that? He slipped on a banana peel on the back after the match? No, dude. <laughs> he got cut well, up. He got cut up with one of these. You know? Yeah, no. I definitely feel like it's it's they've done a great job of, of policing it. I think it could be a little bit more because I think they they give maybe a little bit too much leniency now uh, on staying into the on the ground because they used to stand them up way too quick, yeah. uh, or they used to break them off the cage like way too quick. I think they've done a great job of keeping the cage a little bit longer, but I feel like a lot of the times, you know, guys will stay busy but not really be active. Does yeah. that make sense? Yes. Like I feel like maybe that can be like the just next kinda, step where. Just you know, yeah, they're just like, trying to like, give you know, you fist niggies. in the face. And it's like, oh, well, every five to three to five seconds, as long as I like throw some punch, you know, I'm I'm, I'm being active. And it's yeah. like, no, you're you're being busy. You got to, you know, actually put forth like a, you know, you're trying to. And, and the, it takes, a, you know, a little bit more skilled refereeing as well. But 
if you're trying to set up a move, if you're trying to, you know, cause damage on them, you know, if you're actively, but if you're, you know, obviously taking rest and then throw a punch and then taking rest, like it's just, hmm. I, I just think the game can be what it wants to be, which is a fast paced, you know, there's no, there's no breaks. The only break you get is the five minutes in between. And I think that, the, you know, kind of yeah, constitutes minute. a break, you know, <laughs> the minute in between, <laughs> don't give them no five minutes, Rob. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying in, the, in between the five minute rounds or in between the three minute rounds, that's, that's, uh, three minute rounds, the five minute rounds. Um, that's the time that you have to rest and pass that. Cause you know, you got to think of it from a fighter's perspective too, or from a coach's perspective as well. Like you've got this guy on the ropes, you know, he's got three minutes left. You know, we're either going to win this fight or we're really going to damage him in this round. And then he just starts holding on to you. It's kind of like boxing, you know, where they never really had a way to solve, you know, people holding on. Because once they started to stop doing that, it was, you know, they would, uh, you know, they would hook a glove in, in the clinch, you know, yeah. or when they're, you know, real tight and make a guy unable to fight. So, you know, it's just I think that it's always going to be something that's ever evolving. But I, I think there needs to be a little bit a little bit more on the whole uh, active and busy uh, ability of, of the fighters on the ground. Because I'm all about, again, I'm all about a wrestler or a jiu-jitsu artist or anybody trying to set up a move or, you know, do anything they want to do on the ground for submissions. But, you know, it still is an action sport. It still is fast-paced, and you don't want to yeah. have an influx of fighters that – just try to replicate a type of fighter that you're not trying to bring in and that's again just a you know a, yeah. to dana's point from the beginning you know you want exciting fighters and not to say mm -hmm. usman's not exciting but i think if he's Listen, challenged that fight in a certain with... way it'll be a more exciting exciting fight instead of you know just barreling down somebody and you know yeah. doing the same exact thing each time you know? styles make fights man look when he fought um kobe covington do you know? Do you know the number of take takedown attempts that happened in that five round fight? <laughs> Zero. Yeah, it was none. They had yeah. this the little whisper agreement in each other's ears. We're just gonna bang, you know. And for people that just want to see people stand up and bang, then maybe it's not their sport. Maybe Muay Thai kickboxing is, or maybe boxing is, you know. And everybody's like, "Oh, that's not fighting." And I'm like, "Are you telling me in a real fight, if I took you down, what are you gonna do? You're gonna, are you gonna scream? I, I want to bang." <laughs> First of all, that sounds strange. You know, second of all, second of all, it's a fight. <laughs> you know, sorry. Right. Um, so co-main event. Um, by the way, congratulations to Rose Nama Yunus, because I know we're not going to have enough time to talk about her fight, but um, uh, good revenge match. Uh, split decision by the judges. I personally thought she won the first two rounds. Um, and Andre, 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 Jessica Andrade is definitely a top, on the edge of the top five, definitely top ten. But there's a you could see when everyone's on their game. There's Joanna Joanna uh, John Jacek. There's um Zhang Zhang Wei Li who we were so excited to see more of, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's Thug Rose and and um yeah. So there's I mean just I think Jessica Andrade's on the on the edge of that that five. Um, let's go to uh, Volkanovski defending his title against Max Holloway. This is a title rematch. Um, Volkanovski defeated um, Max Holloway in a razor close decision the first time they met, and it looks like a little bit more of the same as far as the results are con is concerned. It was, except this was a split decision. Controversial. Yeah, and that's the question. This time you go first, Rob. <laughs> um, did the judges oh, get it man. right? I don't know what they were watching. I mean, from what I saw, because I, I also watched the last fight. 
And I, that's what I'm saying again. Like, do you think judges watch watch previous fights before, you know, a fight coming up? You know? um, I hate to lump them all in the one category, but you, clearly some of them don't. Yeah. And Joe, I did. Joe Rogan actually said a judge told him he was going off of what Joe was Joe's commentary. That's yeah, terrible. I that. It is horrible. And some judges know? at the end give the last round to whoever um, walks away with both hands raised. You know, yeah, when the fight's crazy. over, some like the fighter raises both hands as if he won. Yeah, that's some lazy. Of that's some lazy feel. stuff, dude. It is. It is. That's so, really lazy. So let's let's do it. Did the judges get it right? Oh no, they, no, they didn't. I mean, just from watching the fight, that's what I was saying. Like, if you if you watch the last fight, you know, he was clearly outclassed, but. You know, this was an exciting rematch because the last two rounds of that fight, you know, if you really watch that fight, he was fighting lefty for, you know, two rounds in the middle of that fight. Who, Max? And then of, he came, of, yeah, Ma Max. Yeah. Max was fighting lefty for two rounds. He's getting that late that fight. And then, you know, he came, yeah, he came back with the right, uh, came back, uh, you know, with the right hand. And, you know, there was a, it was a real close fight at some time. You know, Volkanovski was pu pushing back. You know, he was not taking steps forward. So in this fight, uh, I thought he did a great job moving forward again. So I'm I'm giving him ring control. You know I, I think he did a great job of you know being first. You know tagging tagging him. And I'm talking about all rounds because you know he yeah he might have won the first two indefinitely, but you know he controlled the fight indefinitely. Like it wasn't it wasn't like Volkanovski versus Max Holloway. It was like Max Holloway is beating some guy for the first two rounds. Yeah. You know and and whichever way you want to put it, because I know scoring is a little different now, mm -hmm. but. That's pretty sizable. And the next three rounds, it was, you know, a toss up in all in all seriousness. So I don't get how the scoring went down, um, you know, for for Volkanovski. Again, I, I applaud him. But I, I, the way I saw it, that Max, not clearly, but he won that fight. And I, I'm definitely looking forward to a third fight. Unfortunately, you know, with a guy who is champion, he gets to choose who he fights next and. I don't think there's any better fight. I mean, Max has been wrecking that division for a while, um, and this guy comes in and steals the shine after he loses to Dustin Poirier after he goes up a weight class. But you know, I just think uh, I think that Max is destined, man. He's just he's he's still young. He's still younger than this guy. <laughs> That's crazy. I, so, and me for me, this I mean, there's only a handful of matches where Max sustained a lot of damage. Exactly. Right? Um, yeah. I mean, he injured. People talk about Connor injured his ACL against um, um, Max in the second round, but Max injured his PCL and his MCL in the first round, a whole round before. So, you know, that's something a lot of people don't talk about because people want to, you know, give Connor the rub. Oh, he did this with a hurt knee. Um, but as far as like damage, like getting hit too much, you have both, you have these 10 rounds where they both went at each other. And, mm -hmm. and he got lumped up pretty bad against Dustin, and that's it. Right, uh, the yeah. Brian Ortega match, boy, did he, did he take it to him. Jose yeah, Aldo twice, Jose Aldo twice took it to him. Cub Swanson, yeah. you know, um, submitted them. Um, so, um, did the judges get it right? Hell no, they didn't get it right, Rob. Hell's Hell no. to the no, they didn't get it right. You can go by the old system. You can go by the, the unified rules of MMA. You can go by rules of MMA in accordance to how the state mediates it. You can go um, by the UFC where the judges are, they're supposed to do it by striking, grappling, and octagon control, and they emphasize the operative words in that order. But any set of rules, Max won the, the first two, 
I got to give Volkanovski the last two. Um, and the question is, who won round three? Round three was dominated the, the first four minutes by Max and the last minute or few, uh, 45 seconds by Volkanovski. One of the judges got it right. Two of the judges got it wrong. 48-47 on a split decision. Volkanovski walks away with the belt. Um, and the, to me, when I came into this, the real winners were the fans because Volkanovski is such a likable person. Right. You know, he's part of Israel Adesanya's camp. They're all likable people, right? Dan Hooker, you know, he gets out of there. He could talk a good game and backs it up. Israel Adesanya has, um, in, in Khabib territory, right? He's yet to no defeat. Um, and then you got Max, who's the only thing more lovable than him is his kid. <laughs> so, and, and now the real losers in this one are the fans. Yeah. The fans feel cheated. Twitter blew up celebrity style. Um, but hey, uh, um, I think, I think all, it's coming back. Yeah. I think we're getting a third. I think we're getting a third. I just don't think anyone, I mean, who's going to fight Max? <laughs> right? That's Mac, what I mean. I don't think either one, anything anybody wants to fight either one of them. So I think, I mean, hey, Brian Ortega, but. I where's mean, he been? Nah. Yeah, he's been hurt for a while. <laughs> where's he been? Hey, Dude, I saw uh, him on a damn skateboard when I was singing karaoke a few months ago. He was chilling in really? at Hennessy's with us. Yes, he was. Wow. He was in. He lives in uh, Redondo Beach, so um, wow. it's not uncommon for me to see uh, cool. to have a, a Ortega sighting. And hey, everything uh, you see my, about him on, on camera mm-hmm. is same thing off. He's the same person off camera. Hmm. He's so hey. fucking chill. Hey, what's up, people? This is the section of good idea, bad idea. This is my favorite category, and this is Rob keeping McLean McLean's favorite category. Rob, good idea, bad idea. The Nets signing Jamal Crawford to practice and play with them in the bubble. Hey, always a good idea to sign Jamal Crawford, man. I mean, especially as a team in, uh, you know, in this unprecedented area. You know, you want to get a feel of what he's still got at his age. But, I mean, you put him in a point you know, a scoring point situation, you know, he's always been great at that. And I think, you know, I'd love to see it again. So great. Rob, I got to go with good, good idea. You know why? Because this man, nobody comes off the bench, literally off, uh, off the bench, um, sitting in the park, literally off the bench in a basketball game and put and produces as well as Jamal Crawford. This man is second in uh, points off the bench all time with 11,274. Second only to Lou Williams, and it's okay to be second to Lou Williams because we know Lou Williams is a boss, okay? The Nets are a, compl- a playoff team. They're very capable. They, they got talent already there. They have superstars coming back from injury on the way. So make mine the Nets. Make mine Jamal Crawford. So Bobby McGee, good idea, bad idea. Now we got to go back to the K word, okay? <sighs> um, good idea, bad idea. Tom Thibodeau to interview with the New York Knicks. Uh, the only thing I would say, I'd say it's a good thing because Tom Thibodeau has a, a way with getting involved in the GM and uh, the upper management. So if for some reason they're trying to interject Tom to or Thibodeau to uh, be able to you know, stabilize the organization. I, I definitely would like it because, again, I love a defensive first system. That's what he's about. And he turned around Chicago within a heart, like within a second. And as soon as he left, it's been kind of shaky. So, I love, I love Thibodeau coming through the Knicks. 
Hey, for the Knicks, yeah, sure, good idea. But for me, I say bad idea, Rob. Bad, bad, bad. Good idea for the Knicks. Good idea for the Knicks to have a great basketball coach for a change for the first time since Jeff Van Gundy. Bad for Tom Thibodeau's health, okay? You survived Jerry Krause. You may not survive James Dolan. I need you to run as fast as you can. Run, run, save yourself. Save yourself. Rob McLean. Good idea, bad idea. The NCAA, fall sports, I guess highlighting football, to uh, only play games in their conference only. I'll go first on this. Um, I think it's a good idea. I think as long as the conference uh, uh, and their meetings, they have a testing protocol, how many times they want to test, uh, how they want to social distance, how they want to do uh, participants as far as trainers and all that other stuff. And if it's and if they set ground rules for their conference, they don't have to go through any red tape to play any other conferences where they have to have these meetings every week on how they want to do things. Um, it sets a, an, an emblem of hierarchy for the power five, but that hasn't changed in the past decade. And that, that's, that's not going to change now. Good idea, Rob. Yeah, I think it's a good idea because it just cuts down on travel, cuts down on any type of possibility of transmission if there was any type of positive tests. Um, and again, we don't know where we're going forward uh, in the future with all this. So uh, I think it's great to have an ability to be flexible and to say if this ever comes back or something like this comes back, we understand how to, how to at least adjust towards it. So good idea. Damn, your timing as usual is impeccable. Rob, keep it McLean. Last a good idea, bad idea, okay? We're going to revisit this, but it's, it's worth the extra minute. Good idea, bad idea, Rob. The NBA players wearing messages on their jerseys instead of their names. Uh, yeah, well, we were mentioning it before a little bit, but I think it's a great idea because uh, there's not always the ability to um, get your message out there. Uh, especially during a game, especially with the platform of what the NBA gives you as a player. And uh, the monetary value may not be always enough to go out there and be active. Um, although you want to be, you don't have the platform that the NBA does have. So to not only be paid a certain amount, not as a high, higher echelon player, but a certain amount so that you're able to uh, spread a message, I think it's a great uh, medium for people who don't have all that ability to spread their, you know, message on a platform. Yeah. Rob, I'm going to have to go with good idea because they're, they're unlike on, and all other people that have messages, this one has an end game. As long as it's a very, very temporary thing where you, you get your message out there and then life goes on after that, that's good because we don't need messages all over the place. Next thing you know, this guy's got save the whales, you know, on his butt <laughs> you know, or something <laughs> like that. You know, next thing yeah. you know, someone's whipping out their peepees, save the rainforest, you know, heaven forbid. Um, and thus concludes our, our episode of Good Idea, Bad Idea. Let's do a little switcheroo. And we are back. Um, I just want to give, um, before we do our last part, before we have a, a Before We Go segment, I want to give a shout out to Wimbledon, Wimbledon uh, Tennis, for paying out the people who qualify for the tournament. I mean, it is a multi-million, a billion dollar industry, and the players get paid handsomely. But if you look at some of the people, I guess, outside of the top 50 or maybe the top 100, you know, the, you spend all this time, you, you train, and you finally make it, and you qualify, and then you, almost all of a sudden, you, you, you don't get paid. And then now they're out of... Um, and as volleyball players and as beach as you're a beach volleyball player and I'm a beach volleyball coach, you know more than anybody the time that you put in 
And like, even when you win money, you, 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 it's not a lot. And in some cases, you even lose, right? Because you got to pay without a sponsor. You got to pay for your own trip. You have to pay for the coaches. You have to pay for equipment. And sometimes, you know, in our sport, you're lucky just to get your money back without sponsorship, of course. So um, big shout out to Wimbledon Tennis for that. Um, any any shout outs before we go to the last thing, which is a new fun topic we're going to do every week. And I'll tell everybody in a minute. Um, no, nah, just stay safe out there, everybody. You know, I know time seems like it's not going too fast, but, mm. you know, uh, everybody around the world is trying their hardest. So let's try to do our hardest or, or do our best you know, to stay safe and, and take the pressure off the, the people who are in the toughest situation, the most vulnerable situation, our frontline workers. So just keep people in mind, man. You know, I know it gets tough, but, you know, stay vigilant, stay None. stay woke. <laughs> no doubt. Oh, my God. So, listen, this is a new section we're going to have at the end of all of them, okay? This section is called Jason and Rob's Sports Movie Recommendation of the Week. And I'd like to go first on this, Rob, because you got you have to go first all the time, and I got to back clean up. And half the time, <laughs> half the time, I think I'm trying to make you look good, but then you you knock it out of the park where you leave me nothing at the end. So damn that, damn that, bro. I want to go first on this one, and this time you get to clean up the mess. Um, <laughs> I know my case, and my case might be a hot mess. Um, <laughs> my movie recommendation of the week, because we're gonna go old or new, is White Men can't jump okay you heard it in the beginning of the show they might say it louder and it might make you holler don't you know that white man can't jump um very racist <laughs> overtly racist okay but i'm not one of those people that says oh i don't recognize race i recognize race i celebrate it I, I exalt everybody's uh, uh, beautiful qualities and uh, that go with their ethnicity. I, I poke fun at it because as mulattoes, we had to get tougher die as far as get poking poking fun is concerned, all right? We, we've heard it all, right? White nigger, wigger, Oreo cookie, zebra. Come on, man. We if we if we can't if we can't poke fun, nobody can. But it's uh, it's white man can't jump is a poke fun thing. It's Wesley Snipes. It is Woody Harrelson. It is a hot, hot, scorching hot smoke show. Rosie Perez and her and 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 her prime. My goodness, I haven't seen her that good looking since Do the Right Thing. When she's talking about Mookie, you better not leave me. So White Men Can't Jump is basically about two guys that get together and hustle uh, basketball games for money. The white guy pretends he's he, he dresses like a dork and pretends he can't play. He sits there. No one wants to pick him up. And then uh, Wesley Snipes is like the really good basketball player and says, you give me the worst player out here and I'll beat you for $500. And everybody sees the short white guy sitting in the corner and they're like, yo, give him the chump. And that's where it starts. <laughs> All right, so a bunch of sub stories. Of course, Woody Harrelson's character um, has to pay off um, bookies. Wesley Snipes is trying to get um, trying to get a better place outside of the hood, where he, you know, where he has his wife and kid, and and their place got broken into. So there's a whole lot of uh, uh, sub stories that go to it, but it is hilarious. Get Wesley Snipes together with Woody Harrelson, uh, and you you don't just have Money Train. You don't just have um, that that movie with Goldie Hawn in the '80s. I can't even remember it right now, but I'll come back later. Make mine. White man can't jump. What's yours, Rob? So I was going to, you know, as a baseball guy, I love baseball movies, you know, so I, I heard this and I, you know, I had something on my mind at first, uh, but I kind of was thinking, I think I might change it. Um, 
the movie I love, I mean, I love this movie, you know, and I love movies like this, uh, for all types of, you know, all types of ways. Um, but glory road, you know, I thought, and there's a story because I, I never really heard about Texas Western university before. Um, and I, it's crazy because that should be a story told, you know, throughout history. Um, just how, unranked they were i mean we could talk you know talking about like march madness or how unfair it was back in the day where there was no playoff to get into you know the championship game it was you know if you won a certain amount of games that year you're gonna play certain teams because you're the best team in the country so you know it, it didn't take four years for a team to be able to get to play in the national championship game if you're beating all these top teams and you're, you know, you're making your way to the playoff, you know, all the way to the top, you could be 14, you know, 14 and 0, 15 and 0, 15 and 1 that season and play Kentucky in the Final Four. So, um, Ooh. Pat Riley was but, on that team, by the way. Yep. You know, it's just a different time, but a lot of great names, um, a lot of really great basketball players at that time, but it just, and then just, everything that those kids had to go to and again they're kids you know think about college think about and 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 it's so unprecedented because you know you think about all what's going on now and how it could how the responses that some people have now about how slavery wasn't real or you know it wasn't that bad or it wasn't something else but or it's over yeah. Yeah. You know, or it's not here anymore. Yeah. Or, or or the now is not affected by then. Um, it's just it did never and never even had to happen. You know, that's the always thing that I always come back to as somebody that's like been a part of feeling that before. You know, I, I didn't bring it upon myself. You know, nobody had ever brought that upon themselves. Nobody brought slavery upon themselves. So I don't. I don't understand where people can't get behind uh, inequality and injustice. Um, I know I'm not saying things aren't going to be different, but, you know. They can't stay the same. They will not stay the same. Nothing stays the same. So don't be, you know, I'm not even trying to stand fast in what I believe in. I'm trying to understand what I what I'm feeling so that my belief and what's coming forward like what progress is can match up to one as opposed to i just want something to happen and i hope it happens and i'm going to try my best to make it happen you know i have to be realistic as well you know i can't just want the world and then not expect that to maybe hurt somebody else you know and last thing i'll put on this because Laura road is the bigger point but yeah. there's a book called uh pedagogy of the press and the big thing they say in that in the first couple of pages is the oppressors have to liberate the oppressors as well as the oppressed. They have to help themselves, but they also have to get the people who are oppressing to not to understand that oppression is not good for anybody. That no, they shouldn't want to be oppressed. They shouldn't oppress others. And then we shouldn't oppress those because we've been oppressed. We should understand and rise above that as opposed to becoming a new oppressor. So, and that goes to anybody. Just educate. You know, there's so much more understanding that can happen out there from people who have actually experienced and have been through oppression throughout history right so if we want to go through history to deflate a movement you should at least go through history and understand how relevant that movement is throughout history as opposed to uh oh right now you want to step up and say something 
you know yeah. i think it, again not trying to sidetrack it goes up to again that me too movement you know i think all women should should speak out but look at how they're getting treated when they speak out you know false or not you know it should be treated with delicacy and with passion and with understanding and then if it's wrong they should be totally chastised but not before the point you know, but most important for uh, the, I'm getting to the woman thing in a minute, but Glory Road, the one thing I got from that is how hung, like if you once if you give a hungry coach an opportunity, oh, you oh my, you never know what you're going to get. You might just get an NCAA champion. If I remember that guy was True. that guy was that was their college coach was coaching girls high school. Right. Right. And normally, you know, I mean, it wasn't just a racist society. It's a sexist society. Wait a second. This guy coached girls and now wants to coach men. Please. He's out of his mind. He's not worthy. You know, and we see a lot of that in our sport. You know what I'm saying? That whole officers to officers and enlisted men to enlisted men. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? You, I mean, half the time you, in California, some of these kids, it's only people they know. Like D1 only coaches D1. You don't see D guy, D3 guys coming to coach D1 unless they're hungry and you give them the, and, and they took that, that little opportunity and plowed through it with a tank. So that's the thing I got from Glory Road because I took a Glory Road like that guy. You know, I had to do more with less and finally, until I finally had a chance to do more with more, you know, and and I appreciate that, you know. And uh, yeah. getting back to the whole Me Too thing, uh, sexist, uh, the whole sexism thing, uh, before I go, I just wanted to say that this is where symbolism needs, symbolism needs to be careful, right? Like, you remember there was a time period where girls were um, saying about the Me Too, guys, what are you going to do about this, right? Uh, uh, a girl gets raped every whatever. So, guys, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? And that whole thing just gets repeated and repeated and you appreciate it because you want guys to actually listen. But I have a problem with asking what guys are going to do about this when we are the ones that actually set up shop like that to begin with. So when so Miranda, your girlfriend, was, you know, the love of our lives, actually, right? Everybody's life. She's just adorable. When she she um, she's on the show and they were asking what what I was going to do about it, I said, not a damn thing, you know, because if I start saying I'm going to do this about it, I'm going to get together. I'm going to uh, with a bunch of guys and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. What What's happening? We're the ones making the rules again. And the same people that got you into this mess are the same ones that you want to get together and establish new rules and guidelines on how we're going to treat women. No, what we're going to do, what I'm going to do is listen what I'm going to do is the only thing I could do besides nothing is listen. You know, I mean, if I want to know how a woman should be treated or, or what guidelines or rules, uh, we want to have that conversation. Wouldn't it be nice to have a woman in the room? <laughs> right. Wouldn't it be nice to have if it's a woman's issue? How about we get some women in there? <laughs> I agree. You know, that. and that's I mean, so so people took my answer cold because they just took it as a one dimensional face value without understanding where I was coming from with that. So I just wanted, you know, I was that was on a few episodes ago, and I just wanted to clear the air on that. When I say I'm not going to do nothing, it doesn't mean I'm going to let them get raped. I'm just saying uh, I'm not doing nothing without women <laughs> in the conversation. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, uh, because, again, like it's I, and I think uh, I don't know if you were saying or somebody else is saying recently, but you can't have somebody outside of that group uh, determine what is oppressive, determine what is for that group you yeah. know anything you know yeah. so if i'm if i'm a you know not a hispanic male i'm not going to say i'm not going to go out and speak for a hispanic community because i don't have that experience you yeah. know I'll, I'll speak to somebody who has had that experience and 
understand where they're coming from, try to talk to more people like that person, mm-hmm. try to understand what their experience is and make an average or a medium and understand things. But, yeah. you know, I can only speak from my experiences because that's truth. You know, yeah. that's power. You know, there's there's no denying what I've experienced. Uh, and, you know, there's very few things that are truthful in this world because, there's, you know, you got Internet, you got, you know, Photoshop, you know, you have, you know, word of mouth, you know, there's just you have, uh, you know, trolls, you got all these things where people just actually enjoy, you know, giving misinformation because they either make money for it or they enjoy other people, you know, not understanding things and, and freaking out and having trouble. You know, there's just a lot of things in this world that <clears throat> you have to fight to be a good person. You yeah. know, it's not just good. It isn't, and yeah. I think a lot of people just expect that because their mom and their grandma tell them they're such a great person and their best friends tell them, oh, you're such a wonderful person. It's like, you know. I mean, hey. of course, right? I mean, if that's all you got to, if, 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 but that's all you got to go on, right? Of course, you're going to start to think that, right? So yeah, and know. I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's great to have a good support system behind you, but you need to improve yourself. You know, you don't need to, you know, stand on the merits of what other people tell you how good you are or whatnot. You know, that should be uh, an indication that you're going the right way, not uh, a place to stop and and be comfortable. Yeah. Which goes back to listening, right? Like, I have my biases, Rob, and we're going to wrap up here in a minute. But I mean, one of my biases is um, like, like the whole BLM movement. To me, in my mind, in my limbic brain, I always think that someone that says all lives matter, um, my bias says they probably don't have black friends. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? In my, in my, because in my experience, right? Anyone that has black friends is not going to say that with a black man in a room or whatever, you know. So, but I'm probably, but look, I'm probably wrong. But that's where my bias, my personal bias, uh, leads me, you know. And in, and in my arrogance and chauvinistic conceit, I think my bias is right, and I could be wrong, you know. But just getting out there and listening to people, uh, ev- everywhere, listen to people you think are flawed. Listen, you know, because maybe they're maybe. That maybe you're right. Maybe they are flawed, but maybe maybe we are too, <laughs> right? Maybe you are too. So, yeah, man. Hey, good finish, man. Good finish, man. I love I love I love how you close up shop, my dude. And you and you did you did um, you did back cleanup. And I always feel like I gotta talk last like an idiot. But you're gonna give me back next episode, okay? But for now, for this episode, for episode 25 of Sports Debate Tuesday, for all of you at home, okay, on your desktop, you old school people who runs the world, old school, old school. For those of you online at Starbucks, on your iPhone, waiting in social distancing, but watching this podcast. For everybody on your iPad, walking around watching Sports Debate Tuesday for Rob, keep it McLean McLean. I am Jason DeBiz, and we say so long we're out come check out the option podcast on optionvb.com it's also available on itunes and spotify and on youtube under the ny varsity sports handle you're gonna love what you hear